Hi, this is David from Wedding Business Growth. Wedding Business Growth is committed to helping you succeed in the wedding and events industry and grow your business in a sustainable way. Thank you for tuning into Wedding Business Growth Podcast. And now stay tuned for part three of this episode. So I think as a, I'm never, I'm never going to advise vendors to like, I mean, I've never like shopped other vendors for price or anything, but I think you can get a good gauge of kind of like the people that you feel you're truly competing against. What no matter, no matter what their years are in the industry, the, the people who you feel your work is as good, if not better than, and I would price similarly to them and maybe a little bit less when you're first starting out. But I don't, I don't think it's a great idea to just like, you know, completely bargain basement right. that price. Yeah. But I, to be honest, Nick, I think like if you're in that situation, we have all been through that really. And I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like anyone I ever talked to in the industry that lasts, I'll tell, like, we'll talk about like the year that like broke us, right? Yeah. <laughs> the year that we like did way too many events and we weren't charging enough. And it's, it's scary because when you're bringing in so much quantity to low price, you're scared to raise it. And I can remember having that year for me, it was 2012. And the next year I really bumped my prices up a lot and I did fewer events, but I made more money. Right. And I was like, Oh, it works. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was uh, like scary to do that. But if you feel, if you believe the work is good and you're seeing that the work is good because you're getting good client reviews and you're yeah. encouraging them to post those reviews so that you can let everybody else see that it's good work, you can keep kind of competitively yeah. raising your price so that you're not so overwhelmed. Love it. Yeah. Slow and yeah. steady definitely wins the race for yeah. sure. It has that. for me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Definitely. I've seen no. people because at the same time too, I will tell you, I mean, I've seen people enter this industry with no experience and all of a sudden they're like $5,000 more in price than me. And I'm like, what? Like I get, no, it doesn't, to me, what bothers me is that people don't see that, you know, that's, and, and I get that yeah. because people have great marketing, but I'm like, how can you tell Like this person has like 10 events under their belt and you're going to pay them this much. And I have 450 events under my belt, right? That's frustrating. But another thing to remember too, as sad as it is, we are a country and a generation of people that is very much like, how does it look on Instagram and surface, Instagram yeah. versus reality, right? Yep, and if it looks sure. good on the surface, how many times do you know of somebody that hired someone in your category where their surface marketing or whatever it was, social media looked awesome. And you're like, yeah, well, they're a total mess. I know it. But oh yeah. It happens all the time. It happens all the time, yeah. which is why it is so important. If you are that good, you cannot just rely on how experienced and awesome you are and how many great reviews you are. You still have yeah. to do that forward facing surface level stuff too, to yeah. look good to them because that's the first thing that's going to attract them, you 100%. know? Mm. Great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How about we go to Frank for Frank's Clubhouse Corner? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I actually, I got some, I got a couple of things that I wanted to add, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us back some, but I think, Frank, I think they're really key. Frank, can I um, just interrupt you for two seconds? I just oh. want to be respectful of Meredith's time because we're already over in an hour. Are you okay on time, Meredith? Yeah, I'm good. I could stay until like uh, about 20 more minutes. Okay, good. I just yeah. want to be respectful of your time because no, I know you. I trumped a lot of it. No, Frank, and I'm like. You over both so don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so um so yeah i think one of the one of the things that i thought was really interesting that you said was um 
So, right, uh, the the manager, right, the perspective that a coordinator is like the manager of the event. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Chris Disc kind of chime in saying, like, no, not a manager, a coordinator, right? And and I think it's really interesting because the perspective both ways, like, really everybody is a manager at mm-hmm. that event, right? So I am the manager of DJing, of hosting the event being the voice, being the light, maybe the lighting, maybe photo booth, maybe whatever else I'm responsible for, you know, uh, you're responsible for the coordination, which is making sure everybody's where they need to be when they need to be there, whether it's a combination of vendor or guests, uh, mm-hmm. photographer is the responsible party to take pictures and so forth. Right. So I think, I think this perspective that, that somebody has to only one person is a manager is we're all managers in our lane, right? And, and just like any huge company, they have tons of managers and then they have, and then there's a leader, right? And that leader is the vision of the couple that we should all be bought into as managers of our specific lane. So Mm -hmm. I I think I, I heard what you said and I agree with you. I think people have a perception. The coordinator is the manager, right? Mm -hmm. But but I think in theory, everyone has their own lane. And when you understand that, just like you said, everybody has to collaborate together. And I think that's really key. And that's where, and I know we've kind of bounced all around, but that's kind of where the communication is really key because I need to let you know as a DJ, this is what I need. And then the photographer needs to let you know, this is what they need. You need to be doing that back with us, which I know you, you know, which I know you do. And I think that's really the key is that if everybody feels like they're a manager in their own space, then the respect changes and the communication changes. Yes, totally. And I, I use all of those event manager coordinator terms really reflexively. Like, I mean, I refer to myself sometimes as event planner, sometimes event coordinator, sometimes event manager. My favorite, honestly, that I feel is most accurate that I really only get to use at conferences is event producer, because that's what I really feel like I do. But no one calls themselves an event. Like, I'm not a wedding producer, but like when you go to conferences, like when you speak at the special event and stuff like that, all the event like planners are referred to as event producers. And I was like, I actually really like that because it feels like the person that like produced was overseeing and producing this entire thing. The way that I explain it to clients too, especially when I'm doing like a full service event is think of me as like your general contractor. And then I help you find all the subcontractors that are going to make this house come together. Right. But I feel the same way too. We are all again, at the end of the day, the client's vision and the client's budget and the client's preferences, that's the real boss of this event. Right. And the minute you lose sight of that, and the minute it becomes about you as a vendor, including myself, the minute things start to go awry, I get really frustrated when I see planners really pushing clients into things that they don't really want to do, because that's not what the planner's vision is for the event. And I understand there are things sometimes clients want to do that will not work. But I've had times before where you just felt like I've heard clients talk about other planners they worked with and they just felt like their planner didn't even really listen and was really forcing an agenda or vendors on them. Um, There's tons of stuff that happens at events all the time. I don't agree with in terms of what the client chooses for design and stuff, but it's not my day and it's not any of our day. It's our job to bring that experience to life in the same token. Like you said, where we're all managers, I do believe that too. I hate, absolutely hate to micromanage vendors. And I hate when I hear about other planners micromanaging. Now, I have to micromanage bad vendors on a regular basis, when, especially in day of coordination situations. 
But the people I recommend that I would consider my preferred vendors are people I know I don't have to micromanage, you know? I don't have to worry that these 10 photographers I'm gonna choose from on my list are gonna make us go over time because they're not gonna be assertive enough on the family photos to get those done in time. If I have to be over there being like, have you done this? Have you done this? Forget it, I'm exhausted. I got enough to worry about. Like, if you can't manage your own shit over here, like there is no way I'm gonna wanna refer you again because I am not your mom. I got two kids that <laughs> I take care of on my own life, right? You know, so. I, I only like to refer people that have that same professional perspective. I have my job I have to do that is part of the team. And if I don't do my job well, it affects everyone. I'm not gonna just rely on the planner to do everything for me. I get super frustrated. One thing my, myself and my other planners are really big on calling vendors out about. We, when we send a timeline, which we always do, amazes me when I hear that planners sometimes don't send timelines. We always send a timeline and plenty of time and we require because of that experience, all of the vendors to review it and confirm that they have reviewed it. And if I have someone coming up to me on the day of the event being like, well, I didn't know this was starting at this time, I'll be like, well, that's interesting because you confirmed that you reviewed the timeline and they'll be like, Oh, well, I didn't actually read it. And so, you know, like they'll admit that kind of yeah. stuff, but I'm like, you have your job here because I'll get frustrated too. I absolutely make mistakes all, you know, I do, but I've gotten frustrated before when like I messed up something on a timeline and then the vendor like didn't catch it on their part. Like they didn't say, Oh, Meredith, actually that um, fake send off you want to do like the client talked to me offline and they don't want to do that anymore. And they didn't bring it up to me. I'm like, did you read the timeline? I had it on there. Like, you've got to help me dude. like, you've got to read your part and tell me the things that I can do to help make this a success. So we all have to communicate and manage our end and communicate to each other when there's issues or where there's a change or something like that. You know, um, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's full circle in this conversation is just that the constant communication and respect for the roles of each other and managing our own little part of the, the you know, the puzzle, it's so important. And that's how really great events happen is when we all are doing those things. The other thing that you said that I thought was really, that I thought was really impactful was, um, right. So, so couples go to wedding wire and the knot, and I'm going to use this as an example and they see, this is how much of a percentage of your budget you should give to this and that and this yeah. and that. Right. And then the couple goes into that, you know, those interviews with those vendors or whoever having this vision already. Okay. My budget is X wedding mm -hmm. wire said 10% wedding wire said 20%. Yeah. And, and so I, I think what's really important is the way that you said you help them figure out what their most important things are, but also make sure to point out, um, where you, oh, well, maybe you don't want to slack here. So if, if this is your most important thing and you want this vendor, but you're not amendable to do something different over on these, on these other spots on your priority list, then, um, then you need to kind of, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to cave one way, one way or the other. Here's yeah. how we can cave this way. Here's how we can cave this way, you know, and you're giving them these ideas because if there's one thing that, as we know, the wedding wires and the knots and all those that put these publications out there, they, they don't they don't talk to people about that, right? If yes. this is important, how do you get there? And I think as as what you do, being a coordinator, planner, man, event manager, producer, right? That's your part of your responsibility leading up to that day is helping them understand. Yes. You don't want to cut on your photographer because you mm -hmm. said your pictures are important, but you said your food was more important. 
maybe we should look at over here, you know, whatever right. that is. And I really think, and I, and I think it's funny that you said that the vendors in your community hate you for some of that technique, because I would love it for that technique because I'm going to win some, and then you're going to make sure that if that couple's win was not me, that I don't stress them out because, uh, oh, we really want Frank, but we wanted this more, right. you know? So I think, I think that approach is really cool. And it, and it's the communication with the client that's really key in that. Yeah. And they, that happens all the time. I, anytime they come to me and they're like, I had this timeline from the knot or I have, you know, this much, the knot says I should allocate this. I typically, one of the first things we do in the planning process is usually do an itemized budget for them, a budget estimate showing like overall, this is where these areas are going to be. The money is going to be spent because no matter how many articles they've read online, I don't feel like most people, again, it goes back to them just being ignorant. They don't fully understand like what all of these individual costs are. I can tell you, I don't think a single wedding wire or not article has ever fully explained the cost of lighting. I always use lighting as an example, which is like my favorite thing. I'm like, how many times do you talk, well, name me one client you've ever talked to in your whole career that knew what a pin spot was before you explained <laughs> it to them, right? They didn't read that. And right. so I'm like, right? So they don't, they have no clue what lighting costs. And I think most of them also don't have a true clue of like what catering costs, which is going to be their largest expense. So I get really frustrated when they're like, I've allocated $800 in my budget for the cake. And I'm like, cool, but most cakes in this city start at $1,200. So you're not, you know, I really try to show them immediately, like, let's get away from this idea of like, you've allocated these little buckets. Let's look at your budget overall as a whole. Let's talk about your priorities and let's show how we can make that budget work across the board and not get so wound up and like, I have this much money for this thing. So I try to really talk about that with them from the beginning but also just showing them like, okay, if we want to get a ban and we want to prioritize more here, where are the areas you're willing to cut? And they either have to decide to cut or cut their guest list, which is always the easiest way, or to come up with more money. And that happens a lot too. And I'm never, ever pushing for that. But it's like, if this is a deal or no deal, you have to have a country club wedding and it has to be in Dallas proper and it can't be in a suburb and you have to have a band and you have to have a plated meal and you have to have an open bar and you're telling me you have $50,000 for 300 people, I'm going to show you why that's not going to be possible. And so now you have to decide what things are you willing to remove or are you willing to spend more on this? And I don't care what their answer is, truly. Again, I mean, if they want to spend less, cool, I'll show them ways to cut. If they want to spend more towards it, cool. You know, again, it's a benefit for me of flat rate pricing. I don't ever feel the need to push them to spend more. I'll tell them when they need to based on what their wants are, but I'm fine for them to make cuts as long as it's not going to sacrifice the overall quality of the day. I love that. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the property brothers of weddings. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and I, I should think change that's the, my name too. <laughs> but that's the key is that you're giving them the options, right? Right. And we said that we said that I think it was either David or yourself that said it right off the top is that, People, they don't know this industry mm -hmm. and they probably will never again know this industry unless they're doing it as parents in the future. Totally. And know? I say to them too, just to make them feel better about that comment, because a lot of them will be like, you know, gosh, I had no idea it costs this much. And what I, it's one thing I always say, it's just a little, little, you know, salesy kind of term. I always say, it's totally fine. I would have no idea how to do your job, which is the truth. Because you'll have people, attorneys, engineers, doctors, super smart people. And they're like, 
I had no idea that, you know, I needed to think about staging and power and load in height of my elevators to get this decor piece in. Like, I feel stupid. I didn't know that. I'm like, why would you feel stupid? I am a very educated person. I think of myself as a smart person. I don't know square one. I don't know, you know, one thing about being an attorney. You know, you have never done this before. You, mm. What occasion in your life would you have had to know all of these things for wedding? And you'll probably never need to know it again. You know, it's like algebra. <laughs> you you got to get good at it for like a year or two years and then out of your brain. Yeah. Right. So y equals mx plus b right haven't used <laughs> now, it since <laughs> and now when my kids want to help with math i'm like crap i haven't done this in like 30 years but it, i say that to them too and i feel like that always <laughs> makes them feel better i'm like i wouldn't know how to do your job and i'm sure you're really great at it but that's why you hire an expert because i'm still i that. will guide you through all of it yay <laughs> so yeah it works that people always they feel better they're like oh that's true like because i i feel that way too i just said that the other day to my accountant I can do math. I am sure if I really wanted to spend a lot of time studying tax law, I would get very good at knowing all the rules about my taxes. I hate that. And I don't want to know that. Or even I want to just hire someone to manage my taxes for me. And I ask really dumb questions to him. And I'm like, I'm sorry that I don't know this part of the tax code. And he's like, oh, it's fine. Like, why should you? But I feel bad, like not knowing. But I'm like, I hire him to know this stuff for me. So they hire us to know this stuff for them. It just takes a lot of educating because it's a lot of money they're spending. So, yeah, yeah, and people and people have a different understanding of their own money in the in the case of talking to an accountant than they do in their you know music knowledge or their right. knowledge of photography or videography or anything else that has to do with a, with an, a wedding or an event that day. Mm -hmm. um, since we're running close on time, I do have, there was, there were two questions, but I think there's one that I think would be important for us to hit on from, from clubhouse as it kind of really gears a little bit more towards communication. So David, if we have time, you, you good for this one? I'll, I'll veto that to Meredith. Cause if she has time, That's yes. Fine. If not, I do. Okay. I have okay. about nine more minutes. <laughs> Sounds all right. So Chris Wallace, who is a DJ from the great state of Virginia, um, said uh, that he has, or first, it, it's a two-part question. So first was, how does he convey to his vendor team and to his client his preferred communication methods, um, which would be like a pre and post communication method? And then also the day of, like the event, how does he make sure everybody knows how best to communicate with him? And then the second part of that question was, um, how do you, how would you then suggest dealing with a vendor who is not communicating back properly when, uh, when you are reaching out as the professional saying, Hey, I need to collaborate on this or that. And you're not getting that response. How do you deal with that? Um, we deal with that every single day, pretty much. <laughs> we make about five to 15 follow-up phone calls with vendors every day who have taken more than two days to respond to emails drives me insane. Um, and I think if we were not in this industry, that would be completely unacceptable behavior. I try to remind people that whenever I'm speaking around the country, if your boss contacted you, let's say your boss in this case is the client, but say you worked a normal cubicle job and you worked at some corporation and your boss um, tried to email you something and you said, I'm going to take four days to respond to this email, or I'm not going to call this person back in four days, you would be fired. And we in this industry, a lot of times behave completely like the people that would have been fired. Like, oh, it takes me 
four or five days to respond to an email or I have to call everyone as a follow-up or I'm never going to respond to calls because I only do emails. Um, to be honest, we, if we are having a hard time getting a response from a vendor, we honestly call them every single day until we get a response, like leave voicemails. I will reach out over text. I will reach out over social media. If we are, and, and this isn't like, I haven't heard from you in four hours. Like at, I usually start with an email for me. It's very helpful to have everything in writing, um, to keep record of everything. So I start with an email. If I don't get a response in like 24, 36 hours, we follow up with a phone call. If I still don't hear, I usually text them. So I kind of do know everybody's like contact information. Um, but we just get pretty aggressive about it till they kind of are forced to answer. But if it's somebody that is a constant communication problem, that is somebody that we typically do not continue to refer in, in, and I do think communication expectation and how you choose to communicate with your clients and your vendor partners is important to establish from the beginning. Um, remember all the time that we are dealing with the generation of clients that have lived in the age of rapid, constant communication. So if you're taking more than 24 hours to respond, I guarantee you are losing a huge segment of people that would love to hire you, that view you as a very slow responder in an age where they are in, used to instant communication. So do keep that in mind. Um, but I think some people have different forms of preferred communication. And I think to that person's question on Clubhouse, just, communicate that to people, you know, I am best received, I am best responsive over text, or I prefer really to do a phone call at this point in time in our planning process, or I really need to have everything in an email. Like, I feel like we all have our own communication preferences. And the biggest problems occur when we don't communicate what those are, or we don't do things that we should do, like not set our voicemail to tell people when we're on vacation. Um, I hate that when we've like been emailing somebody and calling someone for like a week, and then they're like, well, Meredith, I was on, I was on vacation. I'm like, didn't you see my pictures on Facebook? I'm like, you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, that would not fly if you worked for a corporation. Put an out of office on, put a voicemail. I won't call you till you get back. I'm not a mind reader and I shouldn't be expected to be following you on social media to see that you were like in the Caymans, right? Be a professional and do the things you're supposed to do when you're not available, right? Um, I think... It's frustrating. I don't run into this that much anymore, but like I used to really hate when you dealt with hotels. You guys can probably relate to this. And like your sales manager, your venue manager, especially if there wasn't a planner, they're like, well, I can't give you a cell phone number on me. Like if you need to talk to me, call the hotel operator and they'll page me. And you're like, oh my God, you know, like I used to hate that because there would sometimes be an issue and it would take 20 minutes to get resolved because of the chain of communication that had to happen at a hotel. So for people that work in venues in those situations, obviously don't take advantage of having someone's cell number, but it is very helpful to share that for a wedding day. Like without that kind of communication, we tend to all not be able to get in touch. And on the event day, we need to be able to talk to each other instantly all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, in unison, right? In unison. <laughs> I feel like I missed it. Wow. I was like... Um, we need to do a part two is all I can say. That was, yeah. What, Sorry, what I got a lot of information. Yeah, I love it. No, I mean, I think the partially the reason I was like, like David's like, oh, you're like taking, a, I'm fine with that because I'm just sucking it all in. I mean, oh, I'm as you. much of a, a, a student to this as, as anyone else is watching. So, I mean, we're all here to learn. And I think, I think the amount of information that you provided everyone tonight was incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. 
Well, if anyone ever has follow-up questions, like I'm an open book, really, and I really love to help our industry get better and work better together. That's the whole reason right. I started like a speaking career and traveling around to these different like NACE and MPI and ILEA yeah. chapters and conferences because I did feel like what I have done and how I've run my business has really, it has been successful. And a lot of it has just been about, it's not all about for me what's been successful. Hasn't been, you know, knowing the best trends all the time or having the most cool new technology. It's mostly been taking care of my team, taking care of clients, having good customer service and great teamwork. I try to, I study a lot. Like I don't spend a ton of time, um, although there are some podcasts I love to listen to, they're industry specific, but I spend a lot of time listening to other business owners. Like I love the How I Built This podcast. I listen to that almost every day. I love business books that have absolutely nothing to do with the wedding industry because I love to study how major corporations manage things and think about how I can pull little snippets of that and use it in my own business. And I, I think sometimes a lot of people in our industry treat this more like a hobby and like this super personal thing that has to be, you know, you can't have systems in place and you can't have like corporate level customer service. And, and I think it's a mistake because I think that we all could raise our level of professionalism to be taken more seriously because I think across the world we're still thought of this like oh you're planned parties that's so fun you know you're like hey not just fun like <laughs> or even yeah. you're even worse when they say that's so cute <laughs> oh yeah oh she's just a wedding <laughs> planner i'm like oh you come do this yeah you see right. if you like doing this every day so yeah I, I i'm constantly trying to like elevate my own professionalism and i used to be a teacher so i love just kind of like sharing those experiences with other people so if anyone ever has questions just reach out. <laughs> well, thank you again, Meredith, for joining yeah. us. Thank you. And as thank you guys. Uh, our audience, as you can see right, right below her there uh, at significant events of Texas is where you can reach Meredith on Instagram. And we encourage you to reach out to her with any questions. Can we, can we bring you back again sometime? That's the sure. big question. Yeah. It was great have. talking to you guys anytime. We, we'd love to have you. So um, <laughs> you. with that being said, Nick, Close us out, man. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye, guys. David, Thank you. Meredith, Frank, appreciate everyone being on tonight. Go do something great this week. Uh, love each other. Peace. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can watch all of our live episodes on the Wedding Business Growth YouTube channel, and you can also connect with us on all social medias at Wedding Business Growth. Don't forget to stop by our website, weddingbusinessgrowth.com.